Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to episode 3 of Let's Chat on Talking Deen. And today's topic is Does God Exist? And with me today I have Mush. Assalamu alaikum. And I have Riz. Assalamu How's it going? All good, bro. Alright. So, anyway, that's the question Does God exist? What role does He play in man's life? So, I'm going to throw it out there and let you brothers. Uh, Thrash it out. Very important question from my perspective. You know, before we look into do, does uh, God exist or not, and what role does God have in uh, in our lives, I think it's very important to understand, uh, especially in the society we live in as well, very atheist society, godless society, why we need to even discuss this topic, or whether we can prove does God exist or not. What do you think, Mosh? Yeah, I think what is it is a good topic to discuss because these days it seems that the Muslims are in decline in thought. Mm. So the way they go about uh, explaining Islam and it's uh, like, as in like proving Islam, they look at like the clouds or trees or a tomato and they see Allah's name and go, look, this is proof. This is proof of God's existence. Do you know what I mean? I mean so what it is, yeah, Islam came as a decisive manner. It's like, it's a firm belief. It's not like any other religion. We need to emphasize that, so I think it's a good topic to discuss whether God exists or not, and can we prove it in the rational way? Uh, me, uh, what I mean by that is, can we prove it without like Islam or any scriptures or any like Quranic ayahs and stuff? Because obviously, Allah tells us in the Quran that, behold, in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the alteration of night and day, there are indeed signs of men of understanding, and that's from Surah Al Imran. So what, what that is saying is God gave us aql and uh, we should use our brains to come to a conclusion. You know, so what do you think? Okay, so what you're saying is you, you, you touched on a couple of points there. You, you, you actually mentioned quite a lot in terms of uh, scientific belief. People turn around and say you have to have used science, so modern day science. Mm. Uh, Brother Riz touched on that. It's a godless society. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of Christians here as well in this country. So, you know, maybe that's uh, up for debate that it isn't as godless as what people think. So, and you mentioned, and Brother Mush, you just mentioned about a ra- rational, you know, to coming to conclusion things rationally. So are you brothers saying that you can rationally prove the existence of God or a creator or whatever you want to call it in that sense of, you know, that, that term that people want to use. But are you saying that, Rationale is the way that you should use it. So if so, then back it up. I want to. I want to hear how you're saying that you're claiming that mm. you know you can rationally back this up. Yeah, definitely. Before we go into the evidence, if we look at ways we can prove it, you know, just so going back to the original point, I was going to why we need to discuss it. Do you know the the whole point of discussing this? If we can prove that God exists, mm. then the next question is what role does He have in our lives? Okay. If we can't, if we can't prove God exists, and there's a big question mark upon it, then we know yeah, God has no relevance to your life. Yeah. Then we can look at different systems of lives, okay. uh, how we can live uh, according to it. So what? So once inshallah we prove Allah Subhanahu exists, and then we can look at how is related to our lives. So it looks at our actions, okay. uh, you know, how we carry our transactions, how we uh, live our day-to-day lives. And it gives you the whole point of that is gives you the purpose of existence. This is uh, fundamentally for as individual yeah. very important. Do you know that as in if a man uh, individual does not answer the most fundamental question of life, yeah. he will roam around the earth with that with that uh, uh, mission or purpose of existence. You know the three fundamental question of life every man asks in one form or another. You know, uh, uh, what uh, what was before life? Yeah. What's the purpose of this life, and what's gonna happen hereafter? So yeah. you're saying that everyone asks that question at some point in their life. Yeah. Some point yeah, in their life. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. They all that that thought is um, one or another. Everyone perceives that. You know, there's some people can be that that thought when it comes upon them, uh, whether it's a tragedy in their life or. Uh, where they're going through some kind of crisis mm-hmm. or you know where they're looking for something bigger out there when they uh, when they achieve whatever the temporary materialistic purpose in their life is they're always asking okay what's next now when this question they can't answer it some people 
what they can do as humans is put that question on the back of the mind right to override it because yeah. they know they don't want to answer this or they're struggling to answer this question however some people can be insincere as well who know the answer uh, to these questions yeah but because of the whims and desires do not want to um, you know make that the reference point to their yeah. lives now well, like, because they like, know now it requires a lot of sacrifices well you had like the Quraysh in the time of the Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam you know there were a lot of them who, who knew that uh, the Prophet was speaking the truth and didn't really want to discuss it or didn't want to bring it up or didn't want to listen to the Quran because you know they understood that what it meant or, or what, what what changes it would probably mean to their lives etc mm. so like, I, I agree with that so like mm. I said in terms of proving it brothers why don't you just uh, drop it like it's hot and uh, yeah. let's go into it then? Oh, all right. Um, what is um, to, so like first of all, like you know these fundamental questions. If they are left unanswered, man would walk through uh, this on like on endlessly. Like he wouldn't know. He wouldn't have a scope of life and stuff. Because uh, the reason why it's important to answer these questions in a comprehensive manner is because it forms the basic thought, right? Which all other thoughts emanate from. So. For before we start, there needs to be a framework, right, for us to answer these questions. If there's no framework, we can't do it all willy nilly. Okay. So with this framework, um, is there so uh, futile discussions don't take place? Like for example, when you're building a house, you don't just build it without like any plans or anything like that. You don't yeah. just go put some bricks in the middle and expect a house to form. You have the proper foundations and stuff so that every time you put a brick down, you know that it's strong, and that it's going to be resistant towards things. And it's uh, what it is here. Yeah, we have to know that it's we have to adhere to the sensed reality, you know. What do you mean by that? So we have to be able to sense the reality mm-hmm. in order to answer questions about it. There's no point in me asking about something that I cannot sense. We have to physically sense the world around us, the reality around us, for us to come to a a proper. Uh, right conclusion So aliens are at the question Yeah Aliens are at the question We can't <laughs> sense that Are there spaghetti monsters <laughs> <laughs> Spaghetti monsters Definitely out of the question Or right. whether we're in a Digital pro- uh, projection Or something That's out of the question um, So how do I know Like So th- this is because So the question's like How do I know That I'm Gonna die If I haven't died okay. So these type of questions Don't come up Do you know what I mean Like the answer to that question is Okay try kill yourself right now yeah. Like rip out your heart To take your head off <laughs> we'll continue this conversation yeah, yeah we don't want these type of conversations coming into hypotheticals basically yeah and, basically and stuff like so by, by the term sense reality we're saying there's things that can be proven and you can see in the real world and you can then obviously pass judgment on those you can actually pass pass those as as conviction that this is this is something that really yeah. takes place as opposed to saying well that potentially there are aliens that exist out there well again you can't mm-hmm. prove that you so can't prove it that so, goes out the question and stuff yeah. like that okay and, and also that. and also with the framework we can't include like scientific fact and theories because they are susceptible to change so as we know like in the past Isaac Newton's uh, law of gravity is different to how we understand it now and stuff okay. so there's a change there's it's susceptible to change we can't include that in the framework when discussing how to prove God's, uh, God exists because it's not a part of the reality that we need to conform to you know just uh, talking about this scientific method is quite prevalent in our society these days um, you know one of the things in this, uh, the problem with scientific uh, methodology is, is based uh, is based upon um, limited data. So you know they call uh, call this uh, theory called the white swan theory. Okay. You guys heard about that? No. The white swan or black swan? Oh, white so, swan. Yeah, yeah. Go the on. white swan. Yeah. So basically, the theory. Elaborate. Is, so so imagine <laughs> in science, the way that in science works is you have a theory. So look, uh, so the scientist is doing a theory on uh, looking at a pond, uh, and he says looks at a pond and the old white swans there. So his theory is, look. Uh, the objective of this study is to prove that the all swans are white. And he observes the limited data, he looks at the pond, and all the swans are on their old white colour. So therefore his conclusion now is all swans are white colour. Right. And that's presented as a fact, scientific fact. Mm. However, uh, now, now what will happen if, if a new uh, set of data, they observe another pond and then they see, witness a black swan, which right. is an anomaly, yeah. What happens is original theory is totally fabricated, Debunked, yeah. which was presented as fact again, because again, the problem with the scientific thought is based upon limited data. It does not take everything into account. 
Mm. It seems so that's one really uh, problematic with that. Whereas you said, with, um, if you base your sense of reality, it's fact, for example, we've got this cost of coffee in front of us, none of us would say that's an alien or yeah, we'll have exactly. dif- different opinion on it. We all can sense the reality. You can see the colours, we can touch you, you can see the physical product. That's a definite. Yeah, and you, no matter how much amount of data you have or different studies, it'll always give you the right same answer. Yeah, it's like um, when people try to say, oh, how do you not know that we're in a virtual reality and it's yeah. a projection? Well... Again, it's about sense of reality, isn't it? How would, how would you go about proving that you are in uh, virtual reality? I think um, a philosopher back in the day, Cogito, he says, I think, therefore I am. And that's a very profound, uh, profound phrase there. I think because I'm thinking I'm able to do so, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. I am the being, I'm living, I can sense everything in reality. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, going forward, this framework is what we need in regards to sense of the reality and we can't bring any erroneous thoughts into it. Moving on to that, it's like we come to think, uh, we have to answer questions about limited things. So what's limited and what's unlimited in the universe and stuff. So we could see like everything around us. What would you guys class as limited or unlimited? It's limited, isn't it? I mean, I said the the the, the physical objects around you, mm-hmm. they don't transform by themselves. They don't grow into anything else. Uh, they they they're limited in in what they are in their capacity. I mean, that's yeah. that's just observation of, of the reality that I live in that I can see that everything around me it doesn't become something else by itself automatically so yeah. even myself like I said my hand is not going to become ten hands yeah, exactly. as it is it's the hand that I've got it's not going to expand beyond that or anything like that yeah so in regards to limited things um, we can look anywhere in the universe and we can see that everything is limited within the universe the reason why we say that is because it's limited to the space it occupies, the mass, the dimensions or whatnot. So take the sun, for example, the sun's massive. It still occupies a certain amount of mass. It still occupies a certain amount of time. Uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, it, requires, uh, it occupies a certain amount of space. Uh, so yeah, so these are all limited things because if something was to take, uh, take, be taken away from them, they will cease to exist. Yeah, but don't Western scientists and don't uh, certain thinkers claim that, like, for example, the universe is unlimited. They say, you know, the universe is always expanding, it's growing. So how would you tackle that then? So for the universe, it can't be unlimited because the fact that it's made up of limited things. Limited things cannot add up to something unlimited. Do you know what I mean? Because they are dependent on, on the, whatever they're limited by. Okay. So if you take everything out of the universe, is it still the universe? Of course it isn't. So therefore it's limited um, by those factors. Um, yeah, definitely. It's because they say the universe is made of all the celestial bodies. Yeah. And that's a well, limited part. If you extract that, take that away from the universe, there's nothing there. And, and therefore the universe yeah. is limited. And, and yeah. interestingly, well, how the question is, they say the universe is always expanding. Now for you to measure it's expanding... Yeah, you know, you have to have a beginning and an end. Yeah, 100%. I think we'll touch upon that a bit later on, but do you know, it's, it goes even more profound than that. If a man himself is limited and he can observe something, therefore, like, he can sense something, therefore, whatever he can sense is also limited because the fact that we can sense it, mm-hmm. it must be limited. We can't sense something unlimited because we have our limitations ourselves. So everything in the universe that we can sense in itself becomes limited. Do you know what I mean? Well, the, what, what, how, how are you limiting yourself in the sense of being able to understand that there's something unlimited? Because obviously you can sense that God or as Muslims we believe or we, we, we know for a fact or we will say for a fact that uh, we can sense that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unlimited, right? So what is it that then you can sense? Because Allah is the unlimited. So mm. you can sense Allah is being unlimited. Or can you sense Allah's unlimited? Or what are you saying then? How, how do you sense that then? Well, it comes down to the fact that because we are limited, we have to, we'll come to a conclusion that we're dependent on something unlimited, right? And it comes to the question of dependency. Okay. Right. So when we do something uh, to be limited, we have to understand that it is also dependent or independent, right? So, you know, for me to see that cup right there, or that Costa coffee or something... You know, uh, in itself, uh, it's dependent on the fact that it's, it's masses there and whatnot. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's dependent on that for me to even see it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And even for myself, like, we as humans, we're limited and we're dependent. We're dependent on either um, 
the environment around us so yeah, yeah. the air that we breathe the food that we eat yeah. we're dependent on each other right yeah. so like for trade like if i need to go buy a loaf of bread from the shop i'm dependent yeah. on that that yeah yeah no child can... grows up yeah. by themselves they obviously other mm. other people from within their species are helping them grow to a certain point or we have certain things so even like i said the the, the so what you're saying is that as human beings we we require something independent to keep us going yeah, yeah. basically um which is a bit weird because you know these days in uh, especially with the capitalist society we see that there's a big emphasis on individualism why because they want to negate the fact that there's a god there and there's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there they want to negate these ideas and they use the words like independent ostentatiously so they say stuff like I'm an independent woman or I'm an independent man and stuff which is complete nonsense because as a species we're dependent on different things mm-hmm. do you know what I mean no human being is ever independent all humans depend on something be it each other in terms of trade or whatnot or the environment mm-hmm. Fair point. okay and again can't mm-hmm. argue against that <laughs> so yeah it's definitely yeah. I'm just there trying to think of something that independent you really can't think of anything else so anything Not- like you said whether it's you know, a, a flame requires oxygen to be able to burn in the <laughs> yes. atmosphere. Um, like I said, you, you wouldn't fly off the ground automatically by yourself because you're limited in what you can achieve and what you can do and within that particular framework. Uh, I know what's being pushed at the moment, there's a lot of, lot of things which are being pushed in terms of the multiverse, there's multi-universes, there's different worlds, etc., so, uh, but I guess that comes down to the point earlier on where you said if you can't sense it and you can't prove it, then you can't put that part of the equation. So, again, the equation or, uh, you know, m- people may think it's rigid, but the, the point that you've made is that, look, here's the framework that we have to work in because if within this framework, everything can be proven. Anything outside of that framework cannot be proven by anybody at the end of the day. So we would discount that automatically. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, uh, so basically for dependency, we conclude that anything limited which is everything in the universe is dependent and is never independent of anything okay do you know what I mean so it depends on something so I think we, uh, that brings us on to if something is limited and is dependent that means it must have an end okay what do you think about that if something's limited and dependent it must have an end yeah I mean so I think uh, humans for example like you said for ourselves we all have a beginning yeah we're born and we have an end we, uh, we, we're dependent on Oxygen, food. Yeah, we we're not independent so. bodies, and yeah, I was uh, again you can't argue against. So I, what I was just thinking about uh, having a discussion with somebody, and I said, look, for you to say ev- all everything uh, that has a ending mm. must have a beginning. Yeah, must. <laughs> that, that's that's a must. But there are some argue. Uh, some are arguing and say, look, how do you know that's possible? Okay, that's a good question. Well, but do you know, like, years ago, the Higgs boson? Yeah. You know, the God particle, that's what they called it, the Higgs boson, um, yeah, God yeah. particle. It comes in and out of existence as it please. What do you say about that? Does that, like, have a beginning and an end? We can't. Well, how does something come out of nothing? I don't. There's nothing I've seen in this universe or up until in this life. Anything. If I walk into a room and I see a laptop on a computer, it didn't just come out of nothing. Yeah. Something obviously made that. A human being obviously made that with a manual, with a template, with how to use it. What happens if something goes wrong with it? So obviously I can I can see that. So if someone to turn around and say to me, it just comes out of nothing. Well, how do they prove that it comes out of nothing? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't get that. Surely, to me, it doesn't make any sense to say that something comes out of nothing because everything around me, when I look at it in my daily life... I will never look at it and say, yeah, you just came out of nothing. With it, whether it's a, a piece of technology or an item of clothing or anything like that, I'll never ever think that it's just come out of nothing. It just doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. But mm-hmm. in terms of like this God particle thing or whatever you're calling it, again, well, where, where were the elements that created this particle yeah. that came in the first place? How does something come out? What they say is um, the Higgs boson, it can be like... It comes into existence, as in, like, uh, it could be detected, and then at one point it can't be detected. But the way I would say is that, well, that not that just a limitation? It just proves more of a limitation on man, that he can sense something, like, there, yeah. and the next minute he can't sense something there. Do you know what I mean? It's just like you're blindfolded for a second, and then you took those blindfolds off. It could, it, it may well be still be there, but we just can't see it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? 
you go about Shaz is an example of uh, walking into a room and sees all these uh, laptops and books which weren't there in the first place, mm. but your mind tells you straight away that look, it didn't come out of nowhere, someone yeah. put it there. And uh, uh, my question to that, you look, for you to, for your mind to state that, that someone put it there, you didn't have to see the physical person coming to room, putting the laptop there, just by detecting, you know, it wasn't there beforehand. Mm. And you saw it afterwards, just, and your mind tells you that someone had to put it there. Mm. So you didn't have to put, see the person putting it there. The same yeah, would exactly, apply, yeah. a lot of people argue, look, uh, the sun and the moon, we know they're limited, they're <laughs> yeah. dependent, they were created by the unlimited creator. But none of us saw Allah want to make the moon, the star, uh, from our own eyes. But we can still observe all these existence, and uh, everything Allah SWT created on this uh, planet. Mm that we can sense, but looking at we can still conclude that He created us, created everything, even though we haven't directly seen Allah SWT. Yeah, 100% like, because obviously, um, the sun was here a long time before us, yeah. and most likely it's going to be here a long time after we die, but we can't see it have a beginning and an end. But it goes down to the fact that everything yeah. that's limited in the universe is dependent, and everything that is dependent has both a beginning and an end. Because if you take something away from that uh, dependency, it ceases to exist. So the sun, if you take away its mass, it will not exist in as we know it. Do you know what I mean? So again, yeah, so that's everything in the universe is limited and consequently has a beginning and an end. Right. I guess that moves us on to cause and effect, really. You know, if everything has a beginning, isn't that the effect? So what you're saying, we're seeing the effect of, of the beginning, yeah? Of the cause yeah. of that, yeah? We're seeing the effect of the cause. Okay. Everything that is in effect must have a cause. So say like, mm. go on. Yeah, I'm just thinking an example, you know, uh, it's happened many times when you're, when you're sitting at home and your doorbell rings <laughs> and you go downstairs, open it and there's nobody there. <laughs> and that's quite a creepy thing, look. And it's impossible for that doorbell to ring itself. They, you that's, know, definitely the kids play Dr. Run. That's definitely the story Dr. Run, but in your mind, you never said to yourself, it happened itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, there's an effect of it. Something had caused it, yeah. whether somebody done by accident, kids play Dr. Run. But for somebody to say, look, it just happened mm. randomly, there's no cause for it, your mind will never agree with that. So think about now all the effect. Look at ourselves, the human beings. Look how complicated the creation itself, our veins, our organic system, for them to say this this happened randomly just by chance, yeah. out of nowhere, that's impossible. You know, just uh, just thinking, you're drinking this Costa coffee cup. Look, it's just... <laughs> what is it? Uh, caramel latte. I'll try next time. <laughs> you know, uh, even at work, if we had something similar like that, the... The atheists try to deny the uh, you know existence of creator. And I said, look, this cup. If I told you this cost of coffee, the design of a you know there's some intelligence behind this. Somebody designed this. Someone printed this. Why if I told you that look, it, it, nobody designed it. It randomly all these Costa words, C O S T A, they came uh, themselves. They organized themselves into a word. Uh, you know the design of it all. It went wherever it wanted to. All by said there's no brains behind, there's no intelligence behind it. It happened. What would you say to me? You're a bit mad. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You know, that's just impossible, isn't it? That's that that saying, obviously, that statement is impossible because obviously, as I pointed out earlier, anything that you look at, you know, you will say that somebody has has made that. You know, whether it's a table a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, and obviously. When people look at antiques, they're older than they are. They're a hundred, you know, you get artifacts and antiques which are a thousand years old. And people will still say somebody made that. They've never met that person. They never, they never knew the person existed. But yeah. they obviously can see that, look, this is something that somebody has made. Um, but I think, like, like you said about the, the cause and effect. So, so obviously you, 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 your conclusion is that there has to be, there has to be a, a cause and effect. And, and and human beings can sense that, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Like, if you just put it this example, say a baby being born, that could just be the effect. And the cause of it is what the parents... Yeah. The baby can't be born without the parents, is it? Do you know what I mean? So Well, that would be a miracle then, wouldn't it? I think only it, that's ever happened with, obviously, twice, which is Adam Salam and uh, Isa Salam. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so that obviously... Now we can sense that, okay, for a baby to be born, it must have a cause causes his parents 
um, by enlightened thought, anything which has a beginning, such as like a baby or whatever and that, it has to be either made or created. And these are the only two possibilities, right? Yeah. It can't be anything else. Like it can't come into existence or this, that, the other, right? It has to be either made or that, created. That's crazy. Yeah. I just want to make a point. So like no one's ever met their great, 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 great grandparents. But you accept that they existed, right? Yeah, 100%. Because obviously... <laughs> Without them, one of you. Because you accept that they existed because obviously when you go back, each stage you go back, you start thinking, well, actually, I came from my parents. They obviously somebody, you know, my grandparents, they came from them. So, yeah, so you never met them, mm. but you accept the fact that you came from them, right? Or there's a lineage there that, you know, so there was a cause and effect and that was the cause and effect of each, of each, mm, each yeah. stage. Okay, yeah, I'll get that going. I think it just... And then I think it moves on to the fact that there should be only three possibilities... So I like to use that example of the sun, you know, like coming in and out of existence and what. Yeah. There's only three possibilities. So it could be argued that the sun made itself. Number two, the sun is eternal, no beginning or end. Or three, the sun was made or created by something other than itself, by like another being, right? So number one, number one can't happen. The sun made itself. It's irrational to say so. Yeah. If I say to you, Shaz, today, can you uh, make yourself right now? Can you die and make yourself born again? No, that'd be impossible. It's impossible because... Yeah, for, for, s- <laughs> for you to make yourself... I mean, if you want to make yourself another hand, you have to exist in the first place, mm-hmm. then make yourself. So that's impossible. Yeah, 100%, that's yeah. It's irrational to say so because 100%, you have to be in existence already to exist, to make yourself again. So it's just like, it's mind-bubbling. You can't really even say that. It doesn't make sense. Um, the number two is also impossible as the sun cannot be eternal, right? It occupies the space and mass and dimensions, therefore it is limited, which means it's dependent. Again, it's coming back to that whole dependent story. Do you know what I mean? So then we come up to the conclusion that number three, it has to have been made or created. Made or created. Made or created is two different things, right? Something that's made is like I could take a few raw materials, like the ingredients of a cake, and make it. And but creating is something like that comes out of nothing, right? So okay. bringing something that has nothing there and making something from it. So we, we have to come to a conclusion that either the sun was made or created. Okay, so I was just thinking how we could uh, reapply this analogy, these possibilities <coughs> it gave to the actual origin of the universe. You know, mm. some people uh, they refer to as in the origin of the universe started from Big Bang Theory, yeah. where the matter and non-matter, uh, you know, uh, collided and it blew up, and then explosion, from explosion became, after millions and billions of years, order. You know, forget all the rest of it, but the origin of it, so the matter they talk about, or the do- uh, whatever was there in the, in the original, the nebula, they talk about, uh, if you apply the sun analogy to that, the question, the answer is, the question is, the fact that it's uh, dependent, it must have been created. Well, what was it could what have created itself. Well, what was there before that then, right? Because obviously what, for what we've concluded is that, right, okay, so that matter existed and nothing comes out of nothing, then where did that come from? So where did that matter come from in the first place then? That's a so, real question, yeah. yeah. That's, so that, I think that's the crux of it, is that a lot of people are asking that question now. I think a lot of people go back to that point. When they start thinking from, from what you have mentioned, they do go back to that point and it's the answers that they are being given by um, other ideologies and other thought processes yeah. out there. So what, how, if, if, what was there with that Big Bang? Just say, for example, that did take place, the Big Bang. Well, how did that even get there in the first place is the question. Well, how, what was, where was that matter? Where did that matter come from? Because nothing is... And what, what, was, what was helping it stay around at the time what was because it's limited being and atoms right now they're limited so what was keeping it sustained at the time what's interesting like we talked about how nothing can come out of nothing you know uh, because what i really a lot of the atheists when you discuss with them they try to uh, sidetrack and take the discussion elsewhere yeah. into talking about big bang and then the yeah, evolution yeah, yeah. happened mm, and yeah. matters colliding energy was yeah. formed you know these are all the sidetrack distractions from the original Questions and look, regardless of all of that, yeah. the origin, uh, the matter, where did that actually come yeah. from? Did it come out? And the, and uh, what was interesting in my recent discussion with the atheist, he had to, con- when, I, when I pinned him down to that question, mm. 
He either had to choose, it came out of nothing, mm-hmm. or the creator, which is Olympia, created it. Yeah. The fact that he was mm-hmm. insincere, didn't want to acknowledge that, yeah. he actually stated that it came out of nothing. Yeah. And love yeah. for eight years, you'll see Richard Dawkins, that they've said these in the ser- yeah. ser- seminars, even the, uh, the Kufari will laugh at this statement that's mm-hmm. uh, for them to even claim that it came out of nothing, mm-hmm. because that rationally impossible. Yeah, it's just like, Imagine that this computer in front of us or whatever. Imagine it just starts building itself. All the components get like come out of nowhere, and then it puts itself together, and then all the like the USBs or the graphics card or the motherboard and stuff. It all assembles itself, and then it just appears there. Yeah, That's basically it, what they're trying it, to say. But, but isn't that like what they they call that they're part of the evolution theory? That isn't that how mankind evolved from like a single cell organism. And you know became a, became human being, and then you have primitive ape and primitive man, and you know uh, th- this is the theory that's being promoted, and this is the thing that uh, you know is being taught in in schools, and our children, our youth are being you know fed this this nonsense that uh, you know you came from single cell organisms, and and as you said, mentioned, some of these people who are promoting this, and how is it then? Then there's so many Muslims, and I've spoken to myself, some of them, you know are confused by this, they are confused by these theories, but when you've highlighted that actually, if you stick to this rational framework, and the, the thing about the rational framework is it applies to all human beings. It, the, yeah. you know, there's no indiscrimination where a, a person can turn around and say, it's only apl- applicable to the scientific community, it's only applicable to the medical community, it's only applicable to X, Y, and Z communities. It's applicable to all human beings at the end of the day, and that's what human beings will be ultimately judged by. So why is it that there's a massive promotion uh, on atheism, uh, on, 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 on Darwinian theory? You know, they could repackage it. At the moment, it seems like they're repackaging it as something else at the end. Because even if you go back to Darwin's own book in Origins of the Species, I can't remember what chapter, chapter it is, he actually mentions that there are flaws in his own theory. And in fact, if you can find a better solution to it, find a better solution. And that's mm-hmm. actually Darwin probably being sincere. You know, as a scientist being sincere and saying, look, you know, this is my theory of what I've come up with, whether it was flawed or wrong or whatever, that's obviously, you know, he's not going to say that outright. But he did actually stay in his own book that, look, this is, this is the results I've come up with my own findings. And as Brother Riz mentioned that, that findings can change based on the data that you have now and yeah. how they're applicable later on. And we see this in, in all times of, uh, of, of history. Certain poisons were given as medicines, you know, as a cure, and then they found out years later on actually you're killing the person. You're, you're, you're actually killing the person yeah, by giving them that medicine. What does that mean? So science obviously proved that that theory was incorrect for that time period, and subsequently the same. I read it constantly. Aspirin is good for you. Aspirin's not good for you. You know what I mean? It constantly shifts and changes based on what that person in that labor- laboratory comes up with those findings. So. I think with one of the, the, the key concerns for me is that how they try to promote in schools at a very young age to uh, Muslim minds who are uh, developing and the kind of confusion and what's the danger of that that they're trying to put in our children's yeah. minds. Now? What is they just want to distill the idea that there's no need for a creator for the universe. Yeah. Right. They try to distill the ideas of okay, you don't really need a creator for the human life to exist, mm. or you don't really need a creator because the universe is unlimited. But we've proven that the universe is limited and is dependent on whatnot. The the bad like the bad things are what as well, well the flaws that's gonna happen is people become like enticed by this kind of talk. Do you know what I mean? And in the future you can see people like questioning themselves, well, okay, does Islam really make sense anymore? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Do we really need a creator? Where did I come from? Again, it makes those whole aimlessness for humans. Like, they'll do whatever actions they want because of their own whims and desires. I think it adds up to that, really. That's what they're trying to push for. And the big rise of what they call agnostics. You know, where they feel there's a God there, but they can't really intellectually prove because mm-hmm. of science, these evolution theories. So for, they, for themselves, because they can't make mind, they're not sure 50-50. It's like, mm-hmm. forget about it. And you know, the, the, uh, that if you look at a lot of the Ummah, uh, uh, can be affected by, especially in a lot of the Western education system. Mm. You know, in this country, in, uh, in the Muslim as well, they try to implement these theories. Okay. But you know, you're going back to the TV you talked about, you know how evolution talks about uh, from a single cell, 
everything has developed and remember they only use short tracks uh, um, uh, tactics yeah. to discuss the real fundamental question you know the real question uh, real question we need to be the single cell where did that come from okay. did it come out yeah, of nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah. It really is simple yeah. um, questions, and the answer is very simple. simple yeah. Where did the Where did the single cell organism come from? Yeah. Did it come out of nothing, or someone created it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when yeah. you ask these fundamental questions, really, it's really simple to answer. Another, uh, you know, trick they use. You hear this a lot. It's a, you know the chicken and the egg theory. Okay. You know, first. what came first? We can't prove did the chicken come first or did the egg come first? It's like a circle, isn't it? Yeah. Like. But the real uh, uh, intelligent question you have to ask, it doesn't matter where the egg came first or the chicken, whichever of them was the first, where did that come from? Bro, the chicken came from Halal KFC, innit? Halal KFC, innit? Dixie. Dixie's, yeah. Dixie, bro. <laughs> so really, if you, even your child as well, uh, you know, when they start thinking, you know, my little nieces, uh, mm-hmm. kids, whenever they go out, all this point to them, to the star, the moon, and all they ask is kids as well, they're curious, where did that come from? How did the sun get up there? You know, who made that? And after a while, even they uh, rationally conclude, look, the God created it. Mm. Uh, it didn't come out of nowhere. So going back to that, these are you, the main point is for the Muslim to keep it simple. Ask, this, ask the real question, not the sidetrack. Yeah. Because yeah. even just, I don't want to go too much into it, but even if you look at the evolution theory, what they present as... Uh, um, facts. So facts, they're not mm. facts. There's, Laws are different information, which is all assumption, it's a theory, it's not a fact. Well, we know the flaws, aren't they? Because even yeah. like you said, like, you know, the fossils, they'll show you a fossil of a single cell, but what about the transition of that, from when it transitioned into something else? You can show me a, a, a single cell fossil, but you can't show me the transition over a thousand years or 10,000 years or 20,000 years. How come they can't show any of these, etc.? They don't exist. So that transitional phase of evolution... And that's in, within all species that they're talking about. They can't show them. They can't prove them. They'll say, oh, this is, the family, this is a, a relative of the, the horse. Uh, a, a giraffe was a relative of, you know, a brontosaurus or stuff like that. But they cannot show during the process of when that took place anything in between. They, there's nothing there. So as, yeah. obviously as, as a person who will use his rational mind, you'll come to the conclusion or you can come to the conclusion, well, it doesn't exist. Mm. But your own theory is, if you can't prove it, then it doesn't exist. So then why are you saying that uh, uh, um, uh, evolution, and we can prove it, but you're not actually proving it, you're just giving an example, and then saying, this is the answer, go with it. And that's why I see so many young Muslims confused, because it's something that is being now ingrained within education, Mm. within the media, Within every different kind of uh, portal that they can try and find is to try and have an answer which fits, but don't need to go on beyond thinking beyond that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it's even more detrimental than that. Because obviously these young Muslims are, are growing up and stuff. They start thinking, oh wait, hold on. Science is saying one thing, but Islam is saying another mm. thing. And they try to look for like like little, uh, like solutions. They try to prove Islam with science. Mm. Um, that's a bit detrimental because obviously we already said science is susceptible to change. Yeah. Uh, like I gave the example before that our idea of gravity has changed over the years. So when Newton came, he says one thing about gravity, but Albert Einstein, he completely debunked the whole Newtonian gravity thing. So uh, two points I wanted to make. Uh, first, Shaz, uh, you know, talked about evolution. There's no evidence for it. You know, the only evidence stuff I've seen in terms of this uh, so-called theory is actually uh, is what what is actually taking place is ad- adaptation, mm-hmm. not evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, um, according to the scientists, you know, when they define what evolution is, is when a, one species after millions of years, evolution becomes a total different species. So a mm-hmm. fish after millions of years, becomes a dog or a dinosaur. Yeah, this survival, is, this is what they mean by... Survival of the fittest is what makes, what makes the, the new species at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, what, what's the, and that's what they call evolution, but there's no evidence for that. But what there is evidence for is adaptation. Mm-hmm. So if you get animals, uh, for example, uh, take any animal uh, in a rainforest and their skin can camouflage with the, uh, with the background, yeah. And uh, whereas the other uh, similar mm-hmm. a- animals which can't camouflage, they'll get easily preyed upon, they'll get eaten up. Yeah. Whereas those can camouflage, they'll survive, they become the dominant species. 
And that's because of adaptation okay. that's happened. And they'll survive and they'll carry on. So what all these evidences, uh, they've used a few birds and in an island yeah. where yeah, the beaks yeah. grew bigger yeah. so they can feed the animal. There are a few examples, they're evidence, but that's evidence adaptation, not yeah. evolution. Yeah. Because there's no evidence to say that that bird, after millions of years, became a dog or a, you know, a dinosaur. Because yeah. it's not observable at all. Mm-hmm. So you know, we have to be careful with these uh, scientists or these uh, facts they bring up, yeah. and uh, these facts you'll see is adaptation evolution. Well, it, it, isn't, not, it, isn't it what humans do anyway? Like, for example, if you go to a warm climate, you get used to the heat. You come back to a cold climate. The people around you probably don't feel that cold, but you started to feel cold because of you've climatized to a different. You've adapted to that climate, etc. Yeah, so it's, I think it's, it's, uh, you're not evolved. You're not evolved. Still, yeah, yeah, it's it's a, human, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's the same thing. as like um, humans do it anyway. You know, with the vegetables they grow and stuff. It's it's called genetic engineering, right? So the vegetables, how they look like in the past, they don't look like that now mm. due to genetic engineering. They take the best of the best and they make other vegetables from that. Mm. And I think that's just like a natural genetic engineering, if you know what I mean. The the dead weight gets pushed off and the dominant mm. uh, genes and stuff come, uh, yeah. come to light, basically. Broccoli, as we know, is never used to be like this. It's we like real separated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then, they, again, genetic modification. So uh, the second point regarding, made a brilliant point regarding people using science to prove God or Islam. Yeah. You know, because in this uh, um, society, the science is actually... Uh, become the god of god <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's, it's very dangerous yeah. when muslim use science to prove allah's the existence or the quran mm. being the truth because what they actually accept him is that science knows that science is god mm. and the reason why islam and the quran are correct because Look, they agree science, with science, yeah, yeah. science not the other way around oh, because yeah. science has proved it yeah so they have made science the god not mm. the other way around. yeah when i when i was growing up the, the common one used to be uh look islam mentioned the embryo 1400 years ago or use you know so so it must be correct and science only found the answer later on so look scientifically uh, allah mentions these things in the quran so therefore it must be correct because it's a scientific proof that the, the Quran is correct, etc. But uh, you're right. It's like they've made science the higher authority and they've taken their rational minds and given it a back seat and said, look, actually, I'm not going to use my rational mind to come to the conclusion. I'm going to use science. And this is the danger that many of the youth, many of uh, just, just society in general, that's why they're becoming like drones and just following in one direction without actually challenging what's the mindset. So, I mean, one of the things I, I would say to, to, to all, you know, Muslim brothers and sisters, and, and, and especially our mother, you know, mothers and, and sisters out there, that, you know, you encourage this thinking in our children that you should be questioning, you know, your existence. And that, you know, this thing about the notion that they're giving us, it's like, don't accept it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with, you know, Allah SWT is ordering us. To use our intellect, now we need to be encouraging the next generation of children, the next generation who will be our lineage, to understand that this is the correct method of thinking and not, like you said, putting all their eggs into the issue of science. Science is there for a certain perspective and it does fulfill a certain role. But when it comes to that link, which is obviously, like I said, what we wanted to talk about is, well, how's your link and relationship with this creator? And like I said, let's discount science for a second. How's this relationship you know, that people keep keep talking about that, well, if there is a creator, then what's our relationship with this creator? Yeah. I think, because obviously we've already concluded that the universe is limited, it's not unlimited, and is dependent on everything like that. The universe must have either been made or created. I think when we answer these kind of questions, we'll come to the conclusion of, like, our relationship with the creator. So again, it's like, so when we ask, all right, um, so was the universe made or created? Okay, it, we've come to that conclusion already that yeah, it has to be it's been created. Yeah, you've answered those. Yeah. You gave those three three examples of the three possibilities, and yeah, that yeah. makes sense, right? That those are the only three possibilities mm. that exist. So we've come to the conclusion that okay, right, there is a creator. But now, what if someone turns around and says there's more than one creator? Okay. Or oh, where the where did the creator come from? Yeah. Why is someone say, look, yeah. we're saying the Unlimited creators created everything. What we say in the origin of universe, yeah, or the yeah, but that's, matter. That's that's a, that's a, that's a, the answers. I mean, the question question is a bit silly because the you've already given the answer that 
how can he be unlimited and how can he be a creator if there's other created elements then he's not the creator that would then diffuse that and say look if something is unlimited it's either unlimited that means it doesn't need anything or that the entity doesn't require anything else and you know it's, it, it doesn't make any rational sense to say that there would be more than one because then yeah. that entity by definition would be limited then <coughs> yeah exactly so therefore it wouldn't really be unlimited I feel for that we have to look at what the attributes of being unlimited are okay right so unlimited means you don't have a beginning or an end, you're not dependent, and you've always been there, you've always existed, you're outside of what we can fathom as human beings, what we can understand as human beings. That's what it really means to be truly unlimited, right? Someone can't turn around and say there's more than one unlimited creator because of the fact that, first of all, they'll say stuff like, some people might say, this is, and this is a shallow way of saying it, or they might have arguments. But something truly unlimited will not be limited by human aspects like arguments. That's just a shallow way of saying it. Mm. Well, a more profound way of saying it is um, something unlimited is not... Uh, would uh, Like, if there's more than one thing that's unlimited, then isn't that a limitation within itself? Yeah, and yeah. Shazji said that anyway. Yeah, it's a limitation in itself. Mm. That's a more profound way of looking at it. I was giving an example. Think about, going back to your Costa coffee, right? Love your Costa <laughs> coffee. <laughs> coffee. Costa I love coffee, my bro. one, the Costa coffee, bro. You can have it, bro. So, say, say, for example, this... Uh, uh, someone wants to argue there's more than one creator, there's two God. So, you know, I'll, I'll give for example, right? Say if there's God 1 and God 2, say if, I'll give you, uh, I'll put it out to you guys. Say God 1, God 2. God 2 wanted a cost of coffee, right? Which belongs to God 1. Can God 2 take you of God 1? And he's unlimited or is he limited? You tell me. Well, Someone claims it's two creators. If they were, and there's a dispute about this cost of coffee. If, if they're both unlimited. They wouldn't need to discuss it then if they're both unlimited. But then the fact that one the fact that one has it and the other one doesn't have it, that's, that's a limited. limitation. That's a limitation, yeah. In fact, if they're sharing those same attributes of being unlimited and independent and be, having the ability to create, that's a limitation in itself. Because the fact that they both can do it, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? If I can do something and you can do something, Riz, that means it's a limitation. There's nothing, yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing there's special about it. Or unique about, there's no uniqueness yeah. about that attribute, is there? So Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's more, like three, four, five, six, put them in the equation, they all become uh, all Even become more limited. limited. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's impossible. Yeah. So there can only ever be one creator. So yes. yeah, that's the conclusion. Therefore, there can only be one creator. And the Muslims believe this to be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? He's all, sorry, put another question out there regarding mm. the origin of the creator. Why if somebody was to argue this unlimited creator, uh, this creator created himself? Because we want to ask, where, you know, the question yeah, is, it goes, it goes back where to did that. he come from? Why yeah. the creator created himself? Yeah, but it goes back to that. We've already answered that. No. It, go, it goes back to the, do you know when I said that sun um, example? Can, can the sun come into existence and then create itself? It can't. It's, it's irrational to say that. So an unlimited uh, creator would have to have always been there you know he for him to have created himself he would have to already existed it doesn't make sense it's irrational do you know what i mean it's a fallacy so uh, unlimited by definition means it was already there and it's already existed no beginning no end and it's truly independent again so i think uh, someone mentioned about our relationship with the creator like can you, we can't talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or God or whatever you want to say. You, we can't directly talk to him and say, Yo God, what's up? How come I'm here? We can't say that. So it comes to the natural idea that there's a need for messengers, right? God, okay. For God to communicate with us, there's a need for messengers. We can't com communicate directly with God, but God can communicate directly with us through messengers. What if someone says, oh, but like, you know, these messengers just made it up and stuff. Like, how can we prove that this message is the message of God? Of Islam, you mean, yeah? Yeah, yeah, of Islam, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that is obviously something that people accuse Rasulullah of mm. at the time when Islam came about, that uh, he was making this up. Mm. Uh, you know, he was a magician or this tongue. I mean, I would look at it from this point of view, that uh, the Arabic language is unique yeah. Uh, compared to like obviously other languages as well It's unique And Islam came at a time when the Arabic language was at its height 
you know, the kuffar refer to certain periods in their times, like for example, the Renaissance period, or you know, this is Shakespearean English. It's at the highest level of English. Even I was being taught, oh, you know what? That's the high level of English. Mm. Um, you know, that, that not not like your normal street level English that people people talk or slang. You know, so the Arabic language at the time was at its height. There were people who were poets. People would be speaking Arabic in the streets, as, you know. People would s- sit there and listen to these poets because of the, the grammar, the syntax, the prose. It was yeah. such a such a high level at the end of the day. Um, so, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealed uh, uh, the Quran in in the Arabic language, and why is it that at that time and fourteen hundred years later on, still People are not able to create another Quran or another another form of a basis of this language and create its own version of the Quran. And even we already agreed rationally that if you make something, you can replicate it. Whatever you whatever another human being makes, you will either replicate it, and in fact, what you will do is you will improve it. Yeah. You will make it better. So the guy who made the first computer and it was a massive room full of 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 wires and. And and uh, you know metal casings and things like that. It was rooms full to do simple equations. Now you can be doing that off your telephone. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It, rationally, that language would be uh, uh, improved and create and and you know another version would be there, a better version, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what, if you look at the kuffar, is what they've done with their own books and their own texts. They've changed things around to say actually this fits within the time. This improves it. This is a better version, and that's why there's so many, so many different versions, and you know, so many different reformations that have taken place. Yeah. So I would look at it from the point of view that the, the Arabic language, or in the Quran, why is it that no one else has been able to create another version of this? I think when it comes down to the fact that it's a miracle at the end of the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like we've been given miracles in the past, you know. Isa alayhi salam, he was given the ability to heal people, you yeah. know, like of terminal illnesses and stuff like that. Is to bring it? the dead to life. Yeah. yeah. So he was given the ability of healing and stuff like that. So as I guess where each of these messengers, when they're taking the message to the people... To and validate claim, themselves. And they're saying that they're the messenger of God. Yeah. People are asking, look, how do you know you're the messenger of yeah, God? You have to validate do something it. which no humans can do, which goes against the laws of the universe. Like Musa alayhi salam splitting the sea. Or even his um, the staff yeah. that was t- turned into a snake, yeah. okay. you know. Because at that time, obviously, of Firan and that it was like magicians and stuff. That was the most influential thing, okay. you know, sorcerers and magicians. So for Musa Lesson to turn around, throw the staff, and it turned into a snake. It's not been seen before, so he had and the yeah, influence. All the other snakes as well, which were fake. <laughs> yeah. And the magicians realized like, this is not sorcery or magic. This is legit. This is real. Yeah. So and was it? And it's, what's interesting about these miracles as well? Uh, these messenger boys, they're also prevalent for that time. For okay, that time, yeah. sorcery and magic. Yeah. So Islam was given that. Isa Islam, it was uh, to do with the medicine. Yeah. And he was the dead to alive. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. It's, it's amazing. And, the, yeah. and that, that was his miracle. Yeah. And like you said, Prophet Sallallahu time, the, uh, the Arabic language, poetry, that was the highest peak yeah. at that yeah. time. Because at that time, yeah. At that time, the, like the language and stuff, people were literally influenced by uh, poets and you know speakers and stuff of course money and stuff was an influential factor at the time of uh, the prophet but even higher than that was linguist linguist linguistic yeah but obviously allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is for me the crux of it is that it's 1400 years mm. and they've been able to okay whether or not you agree with it people saying they've put a man on the moon you know science science has taken them so far you know, they create genetic parts of, of you know, the human body, the anatomy. However, they can't seem to destroy one simple challenge <laughs> yeah. where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenges man to bring one surah like this. Yeah, it, go, it goes, it, it's, it's to do with the complexity and the beauty of Fusa Arabic, right? I'm an Arabic speaker, you're an Arabic speaker, I don't yeah. know, and no one is an Arabic speaker, but it's down to the complexity of it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Say, bring ten surahs and chapters like onto it. He's given the challenge openly, and at that time, no one was able to do it. And this was like a mockery to the uh, the people. You know, the people who were saying that their influences or whatever or whatnot, yeah. and then their poetic influences. This was a mockery to them, saying that this is the haq, right? 
And so that was the first challenge. Obviously, that was the first challenge. And then obviously later on, Allah Subhanahu wa made it even easier <laughs> yeah. for man. Even easier is bring one surah like it at the end of the day. And it's been 1400 years and no one's been able to do it. So then people or Muslims or people who are, who are, are not sure should be questioning and thinking, well, hold on. If no one's been able to do this in 1400 years, what makes this, this uh, so special that man cannot break this challenge? Because when you normally challenge a man with normal rational elements, you say, right, he swam a mile, you need to swim a mile and a half, he'll break that challenge. Oh, we got the spaceship into orbit, now we need to go to the moon. It yeah. always seems to be whatever challenges that are within the human sphere of life, people have been able to break them. Why is it people cannot break this challenge that Allah sent to, sent to, to human beings? You know what's interesting, God, he challenges uh, smallest surah as well. You know, if you look at uh, the smallest surah in the Quran, yeah. Which is the smallest surah in the Quran and how many verses is it? Three. Yeah. Surah Al-Qawthar? Yeah. yeah, Surah Al-Qawthar. Exactly, three sentences. Yeah. And you know some people will uh, uh, you know, argue that look, we're being biased about it because you're Muslim. Yeah. You're saying, uh, you know, nobody can bring a Quran like it yeah. or three sentences like it. You know, you still got millions of Christians, uh, Coptic Christians in Egypt, you go to the Middle East, they yeah. fluently speak Arabic, they can yeah. write Arabic. Yeah. So, and this is going for 1400 years, they've been in them lands. Yeah. And they, they can't produce it still. Uh, even you got this computer, the most advanced computers. Yeah, yeah. You, got AI, yeah. you got this AI, uh, you know, intelligence that's now. Right. Yeah. You can put all these energies together to just three sentences. That's what you're talking mm. about. Mm. And like the Quran, and people, no man can still produce it. And like he's going back to the point that if no man can produce it, it's got to come from something which is higher than man, yeah. which is already stated is the cre unlimited creator. Yeah, 100%. Now, now, the fact that we could prove that the Quran is a speech of Allah uh, and it's a miracle which is brought to Muhammad and what was interesting if you look at the seal of the Quran, uh, these Arabic poets, when Muhammad remember he's illiterate, mm, yeah. uh, he couldn't read or write. Mm -hmm. So when Muhammad read the Quran and he recited his verses, uh, it was uh, a really shock to the society because yeah. this is like a genre of his own. So he told you, yeah, yeah. and he hit the society hard, yeah. really shook these verses because they understood this is not something for a man, they've never heard anything like well, that, it. That, this is why they accuse Rasulullah that he's been taught this by somebody else. This is, yeah. this is a foreign tongue, this is being taught to Rasulullah by somebody else. And, yeah, because they couldn't comprehend, they, they couldn't accept the fact that, look, this is beyond the capability of a normal person. And especially somebody who they knew from within their society, who wasn't versed, who wasn't literate. And you know, and, and this further added to the miracle that if an illiterate person could come out with this, how come the ones that were literate couldn't come out with it? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, I just want to touch about the Quranic challenge a bit. You know, in um, the Arabic and stuff, the Quran, um, the way it's written and whatnot, it doesn't conform to any other styles of Arabic that was already that already exists or has ever existed. Mm. You know, like rhyme prose, prose and speech and whatnot, it did not conform to any of those type of texts. Uh, it goes to show that it did not come from human. Mm. It was in fact created and it was given. But some people might say, is that the whole speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Of course not. This is just what's been revealed to us. To mankind, yeah. Do you know what I mean? This is for us, it's a guide for us. Mm. Obviously we've said that, uh, we've proved that obviously the Quran is the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no man or like being has ever and the challenge is still open. The challenge is still ongoing, you know, till the day of Qiyamah is for us Muslims, you know, we know, we accept that. Mm. The challenge is still there. So if anyone wants to bring it, bring it. Go for it. <laughs> Get on it. <laughs> but it goes back to the point that we asked before, our relationship with the Creator. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, just touching upon that, the fact that uh, we've proven it's a miracle, uh, and it's a lie miracle, mm. it's unbeated. Now, whatever comes out from this Quran, even though we can't sense directly, we know is 100% definite, yeah. uh, not speculative or doubtful, yeah. because you prove the source is 100% yeah. uh, miracle and from the Creator. So for, let me give you an example, uh, because we live in a society where people say, look, if you can't see, you can't prove it. Yeah. So this is one known, known as transformation evidence. So, for example, Allah SWT talks in the Quran regarding jinn. 
It talks yeah. about regarding uh, angels, yeah. Yeah. Uh, heaven and hell. Yeah. None of us can sense it directly. Of course not, no. But we know these things definitely exist because the Creator has told us in the Quran. Yeah. We can prove, obviously, we've proven that the, the Quran is not from, from normal man. Because Rasulullah was a man from amongst us, and we know that the, it, nobody else was able to create it. So again, like you said, the question is, well, where did the Quran come from then? And then when you get down that path and you, you are sincere that the Qur'an came from something else and then it's still relevant today, that the challenge is still relevant today and so then everything that's inside the Qur'an is correct then by de facto because yeah, you've proven the Qur'an. So, you know, uh, this is one of the problems that, uh, especially growing up or in, in, in recent years, where people try to use science or other elements to try and prove Islam. You know, make it easy for them. Uh, here's the challenge. Make it easy for non-Muslims or kuffar or whatever. Say to them, prove to me that the Qur'an is not the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just prove it to me that it isn't at the end of the day. If they can prove it, then it throws everything out the window for us. Yeah. And if you can't prove it, then you, why don't you ask yourself and be sincere to yourself and say, well, where did it come from? And yeah, exactly. be sincere to that. You know what, boys? You you prove the Quran. Uh, we prove Allah subhanahu wa taala exists. Yeah. We prove the Quran the speech of Allah subhanahu wa taala. These are these definite yeah. evidence, rational, which every man can comprehend. Yeah. But you know what? Something I want to add to this, right? Go for it. A lot of Muslims will come across uh, atheists or agnostics or other people yeah. who are insincere, who do not want to see the light. Mm. So although you might go through this with, uh, if somebody is sincere, you might go through all this with yeah, yeah. and inshallah, yeah, they see inshallah. the light. It's, it's, uh, I mean, this is crystal clear. Yeah. However, uh, I'm sure you guys have come across, I've come across it, yeah. where you'll go through people with all these definite evidences, yeah. yet they will still turn a blind eye or be really insincere and not, uh, not accept the truth. So, you know, sometimes you can put a straight line on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. it's 100% straight, you use the ruler, but you can show it to someone, but he's just been, uh, he's got his ego in the way, or he's been difficult, he knows the line's straight, but he won't accept the truth. Yeah, so Allah's, addressed, Allah's already addressed about these people that they're dumb, deaf and blind and they don't want to know that most of them knock on my house on a Sunday morning but you know, that's, that's the kind of people they are they, you can tell them, you can prove it to them and as, as Brother Riz has point, pointed out sometimes people will not want to agree with you for a whole host of reasons at the end of the day yeah, exactly, yeah. some of them are blatantly because <coughs> what does Allah SWT say in the Quran? that the Jews and the Christians will never be happy with you until you turn away from your way of life and follow their way of life. Mm. So don't just think about it as the fact that that's just talking about Jews and Christians. This is about any non-believer, yeah. any person that doesn't believe in Islam. And even go back to question things in your life where you, you know, people have said you, told you, non-Muslim, to do something and they're happy for you to do it. If you mention that you want to go and pray or you want to go to Juma, you just see the look on their faces. Mm -hmm. That you know it's something that they consider alien, and they'd rather you doing something which Allah hates and 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 is against Islam. They'd rather you do that, and that's the rabbit hole they want you to want you to follow. Yeah. Well, basically, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, in uh, chapter nine, verse number thirty-three, it is He who sent who has sent His messenger with guidance and deen of Haq to prevail over all other deens, as in ideologies. Even though the non-believers may abhor it, Subhanallah. Says it. Subhanallah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, we talked about a lot of the non-Muslim going to explain these thoughts. You know, um, I think touch upon points that is very important. Though a lot of them, like ourselves, Muslims who are born into Muslim families, mm. I've come and spoke to a lot of Muslims when you talk about these kind of topics. They state that look, we don't need to go through these thoughts because uh, we were born into Muslim. We feel Muslim. We, mm -hmm. we feel it's right. You know, these are very dangerous because, uh, you know, the feeling, what you're feeling inside your heart, these are not definite thoughts. Nah. Yeah. So once you go through this process that we went through, and inshallah, I advise all our listeners to, you know, replay this and go through these thoughts and examples we've been through and ask these questions in your mind. And once you go through this process and answer it yourself uh, fundamentally, and it's clearly, and this is where the conviction will come in. And you know, we talk about how is this relation to do with our lives. Yeah. Now, once you answer that with the fundamental question, conviction, you go through this process, now you will see the transformation in your actions yeah, and your 100%. thoughts as well. Because then now you prove the Creator exists, now you're going to look at when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to eat, what does the Creator say? What can I eat? What can't? When I'm going to do a transaction, 
what does a creator say? What kind of company I can form? Yeah, so you got a reference point. You got a consistent reference, reference yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. Just to I think finishing up now anyway. I think what it is is just down to the fact that Islam came as a decisive belief. It didn't came as another mere religion like Christianity or Judaism. It came to be better than everything else, and to actually challenge everything else. And also to shape your behavior and whatnot. This can only be done as long as the fundamental questions have been answered in a comprehensive manner. So it shapes your thoughts and ideas and your behaviors. SubhanAllah. So, brothers, uh, it's been an interesting discussion, chat, opinions. I know it's been a bit longer than the 45 minutes we yeah, usually you, do. You know, that's what happens, isn't it, when you get to the line. Well, it. <laughs> first time Brother Riz has joined us as well, so I'll have to The second time, man. Brilliant. It's the second time Brother Sam has failed to show up. Oh, yeah. Inshallah. Inshallah, Inshallah we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. <laughs> so, I'd just like to conclude on that. Jazakallah khair, again, like I said to the brothers. And Inshallah, uh, we'd welcome back feedback from the brothers and sisters yeah, out there. Yeah. And anything that you'd like to us, for us to discuss in the future on uh, uh, Dean Machine, let's chat. We welcome for your feedback. Inshallah. So, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum.